Goal Getters. This is Cindy Kuzma for the We Got Goals podcast. This week, I talked with Ali Brewer and Kim Marsh, the co-founders of Eza Nails. Eza is an entirely new type of nail experience, a membership-based, cashless, tech-enabled business that calls its workers squad mates and has lockers named after prominent women who are, as their tagline puts it, tough as nails. Their take on creating a better earth is to transform an industry that has a history of exploiting its workers. Ali read a powerful expose in the New York Times several years ago that documented near-slave-like conditions for many salon workers. She actually went to nail school while she was in business school here at Chicago Booth to understand the training these women went through. And yes, they were almost all women. She started with a pop-up shop, and Kim was her first customer. Soon they joined forces. The two have common roots in Teach for America, and they became official business partners. They raised money, won an accelerator competition, opened their first brick-and-mortar location in Streeterville, and then, just last month, they opened their second in the loop. Of course, that version glazes over a whole lot of hard work, intentionality, and challenges along the way. You'll hear about many of them in this episode. They're real and authentic about the struggles of things like pitching a business, buy women and four women, two rooms full of men. But I think we can all learn a lot from the way they got through it. Essa may be based here in Chicago, but Kim and Allie have big goals for taking the brand nationwide. They believe, after all, that that's what it'll take to truly reshape the industry. I really enjoyed talking with them and look forward to watching out for them in the future as those hourly, daily, and weekly goals they talk about in this episode align to carry them toward their vision. So here's my talk with Kim and Allie. Yeah, I said I'll be on the road. I'll be back. I'm just reaching for a goal. So don't be upset when I'm not... This is Cindy Kuzma, and I am here on the We Got Goals podcast with Allie Brewer and Kim Marsh, who are the co-founders of Essa Nails. We're so excited to be here. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks, yeah. Cindy. Your um, radio voice is really good. Podcasting voice. <laughs> Thank you so much for that. It's very I melodious. <laughs> well, it is such a treat to have you all here. And I know it is a very exciting time to talk to you all because you just opened your second location in The Loop and you just yeah. closed a big round of funding. So I would love to know how it's going in The Loop so far. The Loop has been incredibly welcoming for us. We knew that we had a ton of customers who worked right in this area. Actually, when we were scouting locations, mm -hmm. we saw tons of our members from the Streeterville location. Actually, one of our members saw us in the lobby of her building and asked, like, what are you guys doing here? And it was top secret at the time, so we didn't tell her. But when we made the announcement that we were opening The Loop, our members and guests were so, so psyched. So it has been a really easy transition. We have been fully booked every minute of every day since we opened, which is a good problem <laughs> for us to have. Well, that is a great start. And I know, I mean, I see your handiwork all over the city and among many of our Sweat Life ambassadors. And I know <laughs> Gina from a Sweat Life is one of your early customers. But for maybe those of us who are, those of our listeners who don't live in Chicago or haven't had the good fortune to become a customer yet, uh, could you just start by telling us a little bit about Eza and what makes it different? Yeah, absolutely. So Eza is a nail care experience that is tailored for the modern professional woman. So what makes us very different is that we open up at 7 a.m. so you can get a manicure before work. We close at 9 p.m. so you can come after work. Makes it pretty convenient. We have affordable memberships, so it makes it super easy to invest in nails. We're completely cashless, so you don't have to go to the ATM um, to get cash. And we're tech-enabled, so we have a one-of-a-kind online booking experience where you can actually pre-select your polish color in advance of your appointment. We have that ready for you. Um, but what truly, truly makes us different is we empower women on both sides of the manicure table. Mm. 
I definitely want to hear more about that. Mm-hmm. Um, let's let's start with that, I guess, because I want to yeah. hear how you two met and started the business too. But how did you first become interested in nails and and realize that there were some issues that needed to be addressed? It's a great question, and we get that a lot <laughs> because Kim and I both have a background from Teach for America. Yeah. Um, And it all started in business school at Chicago Booth. Uh, I started to get my nails done more often and just found the experience to be really antiquated um, and really frustrating. I had so many questions. Why did I have to call to make an appointment? Even if I'd made an appointment, it was most most of the time wasn't even honored. Why did I have to bring cash for tip? Um, And my experiences were so inconsistent. And so on the customer side, I just had so many questions and, uh, you know, women have been getting their nails done for so long and I wondered why isn't there a better solution? It wasn't until I read the New York Times article, The Price of Nice Nails, that um, I started to learn more about the nail industry side. And the article really exposed some really disturbing truths um, around the nail industry, around just exploitation um, and, and just unfair, toxic work environments. Um, and that really led me to actually go to nail school while getting my MBA. And that's where I learned from the inside what the education, training, and just saw a huge opportunity to empower women on both sides. The nail industry is 99% women, typically women of color, immigrant women. Um, it's broken on the customer side. It's broken on the nail industry side. Um, and that's kind of the genesis of how Ezo was started. Yeah, I remember, I think it was 2015 when that article came out, Mm -hmm. right? I remember reading it and thinking, oh my gosh. I mean, there's so often when you kind of had that experience in a nail salon, when you kind of felt like something was a little bit Mm -hmm. off, that there was some inequity there, Mm -hmm. um, some some guilt. uh, But wow, it was really incredible, I know, for many women, for many people to read that. um, And we'll link to it in the show notes for sure. Um, I'm fascinated by your decision to go to nail school. How did you figure out even how to do that? And what were <laughs> what was it like? What were some of the big things you learned? Um, so there are a lot of nail schools here in Chicago. Uh, I was going to business school at the time, so I needed a nail school that had a very flexible schedule. And so I decided to to choose the nail school based off of one that was, uh, was going to be flexible with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really tried to immerse myself in the entire industry. So... Um, I learned a lot about what education looks like. I learned that you don't have to give a manicure to graduate from school. Okay, wow. that's wow. surprising. <laughs> yes. It's 350 hours to graduate from school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I the summer that Allie was in nail school and when it was six months into her having the idea for the business, more than that actually, And I'd been following her journey. We were friends, you know, Mm -hmm. because we had this shared Teach for America background. Mm -hmm. And we had drinks the summer she was in nail school. And just she was sharing about the training and education that she was getting. She was sharing about kind of some of the connections she'd made to nail technicians. And given our background in talent development and training and human capital, Mm -hmm. I was on fire, just mm. about the opportunity to build a business that would be a better employer. I had not previously considered a career in nails. You know, I had worked in training and development for teachers before business school. 
but learning from her experience and thinking about the opportunity to really elevate an industry, to create something that could be game-changing, that could put pressure on other employers in the space to pay fair wage, to offer health and dental benefits, to offer career advancement opportunities was extremely compelling and exciting for me as somebody who had been in human capital before business school. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So how did you sort of um, go from there to, to actually make an, making it a reality? I mean, it's one thing to recognize these, these inequities and these areas that, that need addressing. Um, how did you figure out how to fix them and then make it into a sustainable business? Well, the first step was get funding <laughs> so that we can open up our first <laughs> space uh, way easier said than done, for mm -hmm. sure. As two women in the nail in the beauty industry, um, trying to convince men that this is a really big problem, mm -hmm. um, and that this is a really big business problem. The nail industry is thirteen over thirteen billion dollars, and no one owns even one percent of the market share. There's a huge opportunity here, um, and but it was really challenging and difficult. Yeah, we spent so. Allie had the idea for Ezra during our first year in business school and started working on different kind of how, how can we tailor a solution that meets this customer's needs. She actually experimented with mobile nail care, going oh. to businesses and learned a lot from that experience, ultimately decided that having a tech enabled experience, being cashless, having a brick and mortar location would allow us to create a branded experience that was consistent. Ezza is actually short for the Italian word esatto, meaning exactly Ali's mom is from Rome. Mm -hmm. um, so the, she's very present in, in the namesake mm -hmm. in some of that, in some ways for the My business. My mom is going to love that you just said that. It's true. <laughs> yeah. She's really part of the inspiration for the name. In Shout that out way. to my mom. <laughs> yes. yeah. Um, yeah. So at that point, you know, it became clear that we were going to have to raise the capital to open and build out a brick and mortar location, which is expensive mm -hmm. to create you know, an experience, a, a nail home for women where they would want to come every two weeks that didn't look like every other nail salon and every corner was really important. But we knew we were going to have to raise a lot of capital to do that. Mm -hmm. Luckily, we were at the University of Chicago Booth School of Business. They mm -hmm. have an incredible accelerator program called the New Venture Challenge. Hallie actually applied her first year in business school to be part of that competition and got Rejected. Rejected. Oh. <laughs> um, I remember yeah. one of our professors, Waverly Deutsch, talking at length about Allie coming to her with a business idea of basically what it, our mission is, yes. which is empowering women on both sides of the manicure table, talking about the New York Times article. And Waverly was like, please do not pitch the business to empower women to... To men. Men. Mm. <laughs> they are, that is not going to be compelling mm -hmm. <laughs> as a story. Uh, so we, you know, she got rejected that first year mm -hmm. and she persevered. She was tough as nails, which is our as a tagline, mm -hmm. and didn't quit. She did the Polsky Accelerator, which is a, kind of a startup summer experience, continued working on the business, went to nail school, opened a pop-up, her mm -hmm. second year in the beginning of our second year of business school. And I was actually the first member oh. of the pop-up. Yeah. I really <laughs> believed in what she was doing, was really excited about it. And after my experience as a member, really shortly, I started knocking on her door, let me in. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I want to be your partner. Should I go to nail school? What can I do to run the pop-up and be part of this? Because this is going to be huge. It's going to be really special. Mm -hmm. And, 
you know, once we did decide to become partners, we started recruiting a team who could support us in applying our second year in business school to that new venture challenge competition mm. and assembled an incredible team of other booth women, strong booth women to pitch the business. And it was through that competition that we learned how to present a compelling case for the business opportunity to men. Talking about the problem uh, was kind of non-starter. We didn't get anywhere. They didn't understand why this was a problem that needed solving. So we had to pivot and present why this is an opportunity. So honestly, the most compelling thing we did was present Drybar as a comparable business. Drybar is doing over $150 million in revenue. They have over 100 locations. They are killing it in the last 10 years. This business doesn't exist in nails. There is a customer who's willing to pay for an experience in beauty. Let's give her what she's looking for, and we can do good along the way. That's something that's important to us, to create a business that does social good. That's how to Teach for America alumni ended up in nails. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it took us a while to find investors who cared about what we cared about. And some of them are men, and they are deeply compelled by what we're doing. But it took us a while to figure out how to pitch that business. We ultimately did do super well in that new venture <laughs> challenge competition. Right. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's been a very humbling journey and process. Um, a, a lot of intention, a lot of research, a lot of failing, trying again, failing, trying again, uh, learning from our mistakes, getting advice uh, from mentors, getting advice from who are now our, our investors, um, from other female entrepreneurs. Yes. Uh, so first we had to figure out the business model. We had to figure out the business side. Uh, and then we had to figure out, okay, how do we pitch it? Mm -hmm. And so all of that uh, was a span of like two years. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I would say that, uh, I mean, you've touched on so many things that come up on this podcast again and again when we talk to entrepreneurs, especially female entrepreneurs. I mean, that fundraising while female is such a challenge mm -hmm. and how fascinating how you had to change your message. I mean, I, I guess being generous, I would say that men were being more optimistic and they wanted to hear about the upside, mm -hmm. <laughs> not, the, not the downside, but um, but that's really compelling that you were able to turn it in a way that did focus on what they wanted to hear without losing kind of your, your core purpose and mm -hmm. mission. So um, that's We had to. Incredible. In order to survive, in order to build the business, we had to. We had to learn. Mm -hmm. And it's getting easier uh, in two ways. Number one, we've created the experience. We have a community of women on both sides of the manicure table who live and breathe what we were talking about. It didn't mm -hmm. exist yet. So pitching this idea is different than showing potential investors, male or female, what we're doing. Um, the second thing is we didn't, we had to create proof points. We had to get the data, deliver results. And we, you know, we had a pop-up before we opened the first location, but we didn't have 400 members at a, at a location, which we do now. Mm -hmm. We weren't fully booked <laughs> across mm -hmm. the board 24 hours in advance. You know, that is compelling. So now being able to have proof points and show our investors, look at what our squad is doing together. Look at what we've shown. I do think. Is everything. Yeah, is yeah. everything. and makes it easier for us to see a path to grow towards our longer-term goal, mm -hmm. uh, which, which, we, which we want to talk which we're about. we're going to get to, <laughs> yes. But um, I guess you've already talked about so many big goals that you've achieved, but um, as 
as you know, uh, the, there are two main questions that we ask on We Got Goals. Mm-hmm. And the first one is, what's the big goal you've achieved? Why was it important to you? And how did you get there? And I wondered if there was any element of that that you would highlight that's different than what you've already said, or if, if what you've talked about already kind of covers it. I think, uh, so we talked about this before coming here. And uh our answer was the same in terms of uh, one of the goals that we are most proud of is really opening our first space. Mm -hmm. We heard no so many times before the opening of our first space um, and feeling that rejection, hearing that rejection um, does take a toll. But when you have such strong conviction around your business and you see the, it's, what's great about brick and mortar is that you can actually be inside your business and see the surroundings, see what you have built. Um, and that first day when we opened and we had customers come in and members um, come in to our business was truly um, very one of a kind. I'm smiling really yeah. big right now because Gina Anderson Cohen was yeah. the first customer the first morning at 7 a.m. when we opened the doors of Streeterville, which that was sounds like Gina. awesome <laughs> for her to be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so just really supporting women. Supporting women is her gospel, and she um, she walks the walk. So Yeah, absolutely. So in that time before then, um, before you officially opened the doors and saw Gina's smiling, beautiful face, mm-hmm. What were some of the things that that sustained you while it was hard, while you were hearing no over and over? Because, again, so many people that we talk to have to overcome that. Um, I mean, behind every success is is usually a lot of failure. Um, And so I'm always fascinated to hear what it is, um, whether it's your support system or, you know, the work that you were doing, the new things that you were learning, just kind of what got you through? Running? (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Working out? No. Um, Which... Definitely was a facet, but I think number one is the the strong belief you have in the business, where you know you have something, you know that you've talked with so many women, and the excitement that women received in terms of the idea, um, it was unstoppable. And so women were a source of inspiration uh, for the business. Um, also talking to other female entrepreneurs, reading uh, stories of other other entrepreneurs, and knowing that you're not the only one. There are many entrepreneurs who have been in the same boat who have struggled, who have failed, and they've overcome them. They've been tough as nails. And knowing that um, you know, we're, not, we're not the first ones to go through this type of journey was very inspirational. I think there's also something to be said for having a partner. Mm-hmm. So there were times I am somebody who operates with blinders on and I'm looking at what's exactly in front of me and it's rare. Allie kind of steers me, to be honest. I feel like she is like, no, now we're going here. I'm like, oh yes, now we're going there. And so if there were ever moments that were really hard, I could share that it was really hard and she has this unflagging belief in what we're doing and the ability to see around a corner and know that this is the next thing we should be focusing on. And then, and it would just reset me. And I don't know if I did that for her in the same ways. Um, But I think for me, that was really, is, continues to be really important. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Having, I don't know how entrepreneurs without partners do it. I really, really don't. Mm -hmm. Having a partner has been essential to, as a, we, as it would not, we would not be here today. I would not be here today. As would not be here today without Kim. Um, uh, before Kim joined, uh, 
all of the struggles that you know we had talked about I was going through and when Kim came was like I wanted to be your partner I was like wait really <laughs> you you want to go into the nail industry um, are you sure are you sure and I think I came with like a pad a list of questions mm -hmm. for her and she nailed all of them and one of the things that has been so incredible about Kim is that she has been in it 150 200% from day one um, and that's really really hard to find uh, typically people's loyalty and um, belief come uh, as they build a relationship with the business. But when Kim's in, <laughs> she's in. <laughs> um, and, and that's been instrumental. Ooh, what were some of the things on that list of questions? <laughs> Allie always has a list. And it's always on paper <laughs> yes. and a notepad. And it's always very long. <laughs> yes. But they're always very good questions. Oh. I don't remember what they were, but... But now they're second nature to you anyway. I guess so, yeah. <laughs> so I was going to ask you about what it was like to, to work with your friend and work together in that way. I mean, you talked some about how your personalities complement each other. Are there different kind of aspects of the business that you handle? Or how do you kind of navigate uh, the business together? We very much tend to look holistically at what needs to get done. What is the next six months of the business? We very, especially Allie, have the long game in mind of what is the business we're building. And we do step back, I would say every six months or so and say, what is, what is the business that we're building and how do we get there? And how do we make sure six month goals are aligned with that, but also six week goals and six hour goals in terms of where we're spending our time and what we're prioritizing. Once we have a grasp, good grasp of we're prioritizing the right things, we do divide and conquer based on who's best positioned to do what. So I think there is, we're a small team right now. It's as a kind of, we're a large team and that we have a payroll of 30 incredible squad mates at this point, yes. which feels crazy and amazing. And it's only going to go up from there. But we have our, our, you know, home office or corporate team is three people. It's me and Allie and Kelsey from our team who's, woman who wears a lot of hats, <laughs> as we do, <laughs> um, technically director of finance and operations, data, strategy, she could have every guest role. experience. Yes. <laughs> she, she does Kelsey, it all. Kelsey, we love you. You're amazing. <laughs> yes. She does it all. But we, you know, broadly, Allie is thinking about the guest experience, about the marketing of the business, about the vision and direction and growth of the brand. I am the COO, so I'm thinking operationally about our team and our systems on that make shit work. How yeah. do you execute it? Yes. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. How do we create that guest experience? How do we hire, train, and retain the incredible people who are our business? Mm -hmm. Period. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And when you talk about those goals, your six hour to six month to, to mm -hmm. your goals, um, what are some of the ways that you you communicate about those and, and lay those out? I mean, do you literally have lists that you're writing together or like on the on the ground level, how does that look? I mean, we have big company goals and then we start create then we build goals for our team members and our squad mates. And they all feed up to our big business goals. And so we're actually pretty maniacal and pretty um, disciplined about making sure that we're always working towards uh, mutual goals mm -hmm. and everyone knows how they are contributing towards the, uh, the business goals. Uh, we have a squad meeting every week where we go over um, our goals and how we are progressing towards them. And then we do an intensive monthly uh, data review that goes into 
the minutia, minutia detail on how we are performing just so that we can set new goals for the next month. So things that maybe we didn't anticipate were problems, uh, we can we identify in that, in that monthly report and then we set new goals for the following month. So the monthly report is even like colored selection? <laughs> like what's, yeah. what, how have, yeah. granular are we talking? We have a performance dashboard on a weekly basis that mm -hmm. has performance against every small metric that we are tracking. So there are big goals around our customer net promoter score. So every business mm -hmm. that you're familiar with at some point has asked you in a survey, how likely are you to recommend a sweat life mm -hmm. to a friend or as a to a friend. And if you answer a nine or 10 out of 10 on that question, you're a brand champion. You love that business. You're telling everyone about it. You're obsessed with it. It is our goal to have an extremely high net promoter score so that we know we are killing it for our customers mm -hmm. and that we are able to show that that is performance that talks when we go out to raise capital to grow this business. That is a metric that really matters to our investors, that matters to us. It also matters to us how we're doing on our squad net promoter score. So how likely are you to recommend working at ESA to a friend? And we believe that those metrics will always be a mirror image of each other. If people love working for us and they're recommending it to friends, they are going to come to work every day and be their best self. And that is the EZA experience. They are the face of the brand, our nail squad and our operations squad at each location. Um, so we pay a lot of attention to those metrics. And then there are a lot of smaller things that we believe add up to kind of that holistic net promoter score that we're always watching when we see fluctuations. This is where Allie and her notepad come in. There are a million questions of why, 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 drilling down into what is this trend we're seeing and what is potentially underneath it and collecting more data from our members, from our customers, observing um, and really getting into the nitty gritty of the feedback we get in surveys from both our customers, but then also on our nail squad side of how do we get better? I think it is the core value of striving for excellence, which is constantly seeking to improve and looking at data so that we can learn from it. Using feedback to get better is what has driven the growth of the business mm -hmm. so quickly. That's how we've been able to open up a second location after one year of operating mm -hmm. one space. Mm -hmm. And a third location yeah. coming soon. <laughs> coming soon. Mm -hmm. yeah. It helps us data, data collection and goal setting. Our, the goal settings are roadmap and the data collection helps us make progress really quickly and, and journey from one point to the map to the next point to the next point. Mm -hmm. Without that, um, yeah, we wouldn't have our North Star. Mm, mm. Well, on We Got Goals, we love hearing <laughs> kind of thing. Um, although, you know, it's funny. We have people who are, like, all over the place on goals. Some people who are this methodical about them and some mm -hmm. people who are uh, not at all <laughs> methodical about them. And it's so interesting to talk to people with different methodologies. But obviously what you're doing is, is working for you, and that's incredible. And one of the things that uh, struck me, too, is even just, like, looking at your values, you also have this, like, this idea of being powerfully positive, mm -hmm. right? So that you are really focused on the data, but it strikes me that you are um, there's emotion to what you're doing too. Um, so talk to me a little bit about what that means and how that feeds into the, the metrics. When, when you're building a business, it's really tough. 
um, and especially at the startup stage, there are a lot of challenges that um, we as a team have to go through and we have to overcome. And so being powerfully positive is an incredibly important part of our culture um, at EZA. Uh, we want to celebrate the small wins and we want to celebrate the big wins, but definitely the small wins with each other. Um, we have little like uh, core value notepads that we write notes to each other and we put them in our little mailboxes so that you know, we're constantly reminding each other how incredible we are um, because there are definitely tough days and mm -hmm. staying powerfully positive is, it's like water to us. I think our values is something that Allie and I have always been really aligned on, the vision and values, even if working styles are different or our strengths and what we bring are very different. We are very aligned in terms of our values and we believe that positivity is a choice and that you can bring your best self, you can choose to bring your best self to work every day. And I make that choice. I, and we both do, I think. You impact the people around you, your squad mates, your customers, your members. And we want as it to be a powerfully positive workplace. I want to love coming to work every day and I want everyone on our team to feel the same way. And I think that customers feel that. And that's part of what has fed the growth of the business is it is, you know, in some ways a third place. Mm -hmm. It is your nail home. It is a safe, positive place that you're coming every couple weeks. Um, one of our members at Streeterville actually recently applied for uh, a job at our new location, which is really exciting. It's the first time we've had a member, um, since me, I guess, a member, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, submit an application to work for us. And she shared that, you know, it is, I feel known there. I feel recognized. It feels so positive. It is a positive community of women, and I feel it every time I walk in the door, and I it's look forward cheers. to that. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. Yes, and yeah. it's her cheers. Everybody knows her name. Even if she doesn't know their name, she recognizes them, and they always mm -hmm. have a smile, and that is why, I mean, that is so different that when you think about a nail salon visit versus having a nail home and an experience in a community that you feel a connection to, and that brings me back to having a space and being able to show people that community feels so exciting. Mm -hmm. Finally, it's not just an idea. It's a reality. It's a feeling that you get when you're there. Mm -hmm. Well, and it's so interesting to hear, too, kind of about some of the behind the scenes, like the notes in your mailboxes mm -hmm. and all that. Because, I mean, some of it is obvious and visible to the customer, right? Mm -hmm. Like the, the lady lockers mm -hmm. and those kinds of things. Like those are really visible parts of the experience, but obviously so much more goes into it than that. I mean, are there other things that you think might surprise your, even your customers about what it takes to create that positive environment? Well, tomorrow is Nail Tech Appreciation Day. Um, it is a national holiday and we are celebrating. So our managers made their nail techs, our nail specialist buttons with a number of services. So I am, I believe Crystal has 2,008 services oh with us. Oh my gosh. Which is amazing. Incredible. <laughs> yes, yeah, one of our kind of longest tenure folks. Um, so it says, you know, I am 2008 as a proud which is amazing. We're so excited that we've had people who've been with us since the very beginning and, and given us the feedback we needed to make the business better. So I think that helps them to feel the love. We have squad outings, so we're currently in the midst of planning a party at our new location for an entire squad at both locations so we can come together and really celebrate. We had an incredible holiday party. Allie is 
has uh, was a party planner in another life, <laughs> um, for sure. Mm-hmm. And I think that those shared experiences, the squad outings, are so important to make people feel valued. We've had ESA awards in the past where everyone got a personalized award based on what they do to support their squad. That is another one of our core values, support our squad. Mm -hmm. Often in the industry, folks are paid by commission. So you get a competitive work environment Mm -hmm. because women are quite literally competing for customers and for their livelihood. Their check depends on the share of customers who come in the door that are theirs uh, Mm -hmm. versus the person next to them. That is the opposite of what we want to be true for our nail squad. We have, you know, shared members. We don't own, people don't own their clientele. Mm -hmm. We have a collaborative, supportive work environment where people can really build meaningful relationships and be there for each other. I think that's really important, too, to note that, so we do a lot on, on the culture front to build the powerfully positive environment, but also our business policies support that as well. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, Kim mentioned the way that we pay our squad. Uh, we Which also is have- not commission-based. Mm-hmm. I don't think I completed that thought, but mm-hmm. we pay a high hourly plus gratuities so mm-hmm. that our team is averaging at least $20 an hour, which we are very proud of, and that's not dependent on season. That has been consistent. So if you're working commission and it's winter and there are not a lot of customers walking through the door, you're making 40% of whatever services you get that day. So it can be really boomer bust. Mm-hmm. And it's hard. How, how do you survive? Mm-hmm. <laughs> how do you pay the rent in those months? We also have a really strict cancellation policy that was hard for us to put into place because guests are not used to that at nail salons, but Mm -hmm. we want to protect our squad. We want to protect their pay. Um, This is their time. And so, um, you know, our our business policies support that as well. Mm -hmm. So it's not just calling them a squad, which is important. Mm -hmm. I think language is really important, but you really have the policies in place to make that a reality. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And we're constantly learning, too. You know, we're constantly um, pushing ourselves to be better um, and to continuously, we always talk about creating an environment of excellence on both sides of the table. Mm-hmm. So for our squad and our guests, and that's where that data comes in again. Mm-hmm. I love your that you have, like, your whole, like, mm-hmm. all of the language, too. Like, all of the as a language. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. and as a, what a great, I mean, you, you're, the name was so perfect because it does, like, flow into so many other mm-hmm. <laughs> permutations. So that's great. Uh, so we keep kind of dancing up to the future goals, mm. but uh, but now let's let's officially go there because our second big question here on We Got Goals is what a goal you have for the future is and how you're planning to get there. So let's lay it all out there. Absolutely. So we have always known that we want to be a national brand. Um, so have ESAs across the country, uh, not just here in Chicago. We um, absolutely love Chicago, and it's been an incredible place to start our business. But in order to enact meaningful change on both sides of the table, uh, we know that we need to go national and and go big. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We One of the goals we've talked about for a long time is Fortune has a list of the best 100 companies to work for. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're familiar, but mm-hmm. we want it to be on that list. We mm-hmm. will know that we've achieved our goal of elevating the industry and putting pressure on other employers if people love working for us and we can attract the best talent and retain them and hopefully get noticed for that. That mm-hmm. will be, I think, will tell us that we've 
really done something that is We've meaningful. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's a great point because it isn't, um, you know, when you talk about equality for people on both sides mm-hmm. of the table, that isn't just like one metric, right? There's probably a, several different ways you can measure that. Um, and that's a really, one really tangible one. Mm-hmm. Are there other ways that you, you might know that that's being achieved? In terms of equity, mm-hmm. I, I think um, th- being able to create jobs is something that Kim and I talk a lot about is really important to us. And the ability to turn a job into a career. So the options for our nail specialists to move up within the company and as we grow larger and go national and spread those opportunities across the country, more women will have the tools and training that they need in order to progress within a company and turn really what we talk about a job into a career. Mm-hmm. So when you talk about that big goal of going national, what is kind of the next step in getting there? Well, we are really excited to open up a third location very soon. Our goal is to um, open up in the West Loop um, in the next year. And then um, our plans are to raise our Series A in the winter of uh, 2020. And that will uh, enable us to go nationwide. So we're gearing up for, we need to show results for locations two and three that mirror what we did in location one. And location two is going like gangbusters. Um, We have, yeah, bookings have been insane. We're already at 100 memberships. Yeah. Uh, which is great. <laughs> yes. Um, and we've been open for two weeks today, which is oh my gosh. <laughs> wild. Uh, third location, like Ali said, we are actually doing a walkthrough with our architect tomorrow. So we're very close to moving forward with Annalise. And the goal is to be open within this calendar year. And then we will be fundraising again. So we have some really amazing investors who believe in what we're doing on the customer side and also support doing it with integrity. So they are actually our lead investor. Her name is Linnea Conrad-Roberts from Gingerbread Capital. She led our seed round. We got connected to her through the University of Chicago. She's also an alumna alumna of the program. She was on the national board, is on the national board of Teach for America. So she very much understands the idea of a business with impact Mm -hmm. and has been incredibly supportive of what we are building and the why Mm -hmm. behind the business, which I don't think you get from every investor. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, I think everyone who has been with us throughout this journey has really been supportive of us along so many different parts of the business and this next stage we need to we're going to raise a lot of capital Mm -hmm. Uh, so everything we talked about in terms of pitching to men and really highlighting the business opportunity we are it's going to go next level wonderful well it's been so fascinating to hear how as it came to be in the first place and uh so exciting to hear about your goals for the future i know we'll have a lot of people in the west loop super excited and hopefully some of our listeners who are more far-flung can expect an eza sometime in the next few years too um so in the meantime how can people find you uh people here in Chicago or people out in other places who kind of want to keep tabs on what you have going on? 
So you can always find us at As in Nails on Instagram. If you haven't already, please follow us. Mm-hmm. Our website is www.asinnails.com. Our first location is in the Streeterville neighborhood at 240 East Illinois Street, just off of Michigan Avenue. Our second location is at 180 North Wacker here in the Chicago Loop. So very convenient for everyone on public transportation. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. And we got goals. Really appreciate thank it. Thank you it was for having talking us. With you. Yeah, we really loved it. It was super fun. Girl, I'll sit up, be on the road. I'll be back. I'm just reaching for a goal. This podcast is a sweatlife.com production. And it's another thing that's better with friends. So please share it with yours. You can subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts. And if you have a chance to leave us a rating or a review while you're there, we would really appreciate it. Special thanks to Jay Mono for our theme music, to our guests this week, Kim Marsh and Allie Brewer, to Tech Nexus for the recording studio, thanks to Ryan Deffitt for editing, and of course, an extra special thanks to you, our listeners.